Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Praise the Lord, somebody. If you're a woman, turn to your neighbor and say, I am woman, hear me roar. Right? <laughs> yes. For women, y- y'all sound louder at home than you do in the church. <laughs> I am woman, hear me roar. This shirt I'm wearing, um, Phenomenal Woman, was given to me when I was supposed to speak two years ago for Women's Month. And COVID hit the Sabbath I was supposed to preach. And Pastor Seth Wood said, uh, are you okay preaching to an empty church? I'm like, heck no, that's your job. I didn't get hired for that. <laughs> but two years later, I get to wear this shirt. Phenomenal women. Phenomenal. Amen. This morning, thank you so much for the women who let out in our praise and worship. And the band too. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Been crying all morning, but praise the Lord that uh, for music that ushers us into the presence of God. And this morning, I woke up at three in the morning, refreshed, went to my computer and said, okay, Lord, just give me something to speak about. Although it was written, there's always something that I wrestle with the night before. I called my mom and I'm like, I don't know what is it. I can't stop crying. I just can't stop crying. There was something in my spirit that I was wrestling with. And the crazy thing is, I didn't even know what it was. No idea. And so she said, you need to put your mind at ease. She starts speaking life into me and reminding me who I am in Christ and, you know, how the enemy doesn't want me to preach the word today because someone in the midst is going to be convicted of something. And it's not even the perfection that I see up here of myself. They're going to be convicted of the mess I share of myself. Um, And so this morning goes, three in the morning, I am just all in it, right? Writing, writing, writing. And suddenly it's like five o'clock and I'm like, I need to empty my brain. Let me go work out. So yes, I do work out on the Sabbath. (laughs) And I went and worked out, came home. I said, all I had to do was just press print because I still print. I still use paper. And uh, the desktop just went blank. There was nothing. I didn't save anything. It was just black. And I'm like, do I call Steven? Tell him to come over here because all I have to do is call Steven once and he just comes running. (laughs) Yes. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray about it. Let me just pray. Let me just not be anxious about this. And so I just calmed my spirit, and then Rico sends me two emojis, a blue heart and praying hands. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, here it goes. And so suddenly, something told me, just go to the computer. It's it's an apple. Just go and just kind of tap the back. Don't turn it off. Just, Just tap it. Makes no sense, right? Why would I tap it? It makes no sense. And so I went behind, and I'm like, okay, let me just tap it. I tapped it, it reset, saved everything, and I was able to print it. Praise the Lord. Makes no sense. But God was like, okay, calm down to me. Calm down. The word today is a lot to deal with. Calm down. It's taken from Luke 10, 38, verse through 42, and I'm going to read in your hearing. And it says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha, say Martha, Martha Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, say Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with serving. She was worried, and she approached the Lord saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. I am Martha, hear me roar. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you you ever... You know, when your parents call your name twice, what does that mean? 
Don't let me call your first and last name, right? It's almost like Jesus had to say her name twice so that he could get her attention. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted about many things. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. If you are Martha, say amen. amen. If you are Mary, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I thought so. Nobody want to admit that they're Martha. I am Martha. I am every bit of this story. You see, in therapy, you are taught how to identify your feelings. You are taught how to write your feelings. And then you are taught how to verbally express your feelings. In the expressing part of therapy, I'm asked to express my feelings. In the receiving party, would just listen. And to just be sure the receiving party understood what I said, before they can speak, I had to say, can you just repeat what I said? Normally, it doesn't align with what I said. Not at all. Martha interrupts Bible study to verbally express her feelings to Jesus. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do everything, all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, take a chill pill. Calm down. You need to be more like Mary. Although that's not what he said, being that I'm Martha, that's what I heard him say. That's what I heard. Be like Mary. The title of today's sermon is Scandalous Grace. Scandalous Grace. Let us pray. Father God, Thank you. Thank you for ears to hear, for hands to be used for you, for a heart to listen, for feet to walk, and for a spirit that is willing to do your will, Lord, with every ear within this place, Lord. Let them hear you, not me. Amen. Amen. Martha is your typical type A woman. If you don't know what a type A woman is, she is someone who gets the job done, possibly aggressively. She can be a little bossy, overly ambitious. She is driven. She is quick to make decisions, hard worker, goal oriented. Now, some of y'all want to be Martha now, right? She is organized. Every team needs a Martha. Every family needs a Martha. Every church needs a Martha. Every community needs a Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. Martha's the kind of person that makes the world go wrong. Y'all need Martha in your life. I remember ditching school in eighth grade, and I walked home from school. This eighth grade. This is how Martha I am. And I walked home from school, and nobody's home. Parents are at work, kids are at school, and, you know, I get home. What do you do when you get home? Normally, you just want to chill, watch TV, maybe VH1. Y'all know what VH1 is? (laughs) BET? You know, just chill, just like nobody to boss you around, no errands. No, when I get home and ditch, I clean the whole house. Everything. I do the laundry. I cook dinner for the family to come home and receive it. And I didn't know that my dad was coming home early from work. And so I saw his car pull up. And I ran to the closet to go hide. And I knew the first thing that he does to make sure, because the house normally doesn't look that perfect, he checks the TV if it was warm to see if anybody was home. Y'all don't do that? Yes, he would. If we were on punishment, and they'd come home from, I don't know, going out to dinner or a meeting. They would first just kind of like check the TV like this if it was on. And if it was warm, we'd be in trouble. So I could see my dad touching the TV, and it was warm. And the first name he called, like there's six of us. He calls throughout the house, Paula, I know you're here. And I'm just in the closet in the corner just scared because I'm going to be in trouble. He's like, Paula, he goes into the room and he looks. And I was deep. I was skinny back then. I was like real small. So I was like fetal position in the corner and he couldn't. He pushed his hands in the closet, couldn't feel me. He went through every room, went to the back, the garage. Right when he walked out, I ran outside and hid on the side of the house. He never found me. He never knew it was me. Never. But when he came, when I came home from school, he sat me down and talked to me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking 
Martha because I'm the Martha. I'm the one in the house that would wake up Sunday morning and make breakfast for my family. I would clean up. I wouldn't leave the house until everything was clean. It's relaxing when you think about Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Such a beautiful picture, huh? It's inspiring. It's calming. It's serene. It's the better choice, as Jesus says. But you have to understand, watching Mary at the feet of Jesus was scandalous. Scandalous. It was outrageous. It was radical. It wasn't normal. To have a woman sitting at Jesus' feet, that didn't happen. An unmarried woman sitting at Jesus' feet having conversation with the disciples, women weren't allowed to congregate with men and talk about theology. We were told we, we didn't have opinions. We weren't leveled up to them to speak and talk and acknowledge our opinions. No. But Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And here's the crazy part. Jesus led her. Scandalous, right? Martha. She's like, just trying to tell Jesus where Mary's position is supposed to be. Sounds, sounds right to me. <sighs> I remember being asked to speak at a church, and I show up as a visitor. They have no idea I'm the speaker. I walk inside, greet everyone, and then they're like, we're looking for the speaker, and I'm like, here I am. They're like, you're a woman. I say, yes, I am. Thank God the Lord shines his righteousness on men and women, right? You're a woman. Being asked to just sit at the table with Pastors and doctors and highly educated people who felt I was unworthy. I felt unworthy. A pastor of mine noticed my discomfort and he said, are you okay? And I said, well, I'm having a little problem just sitting here. Like, I got invited to this table? And he said something that carried me through the years. He says, it's not the size of your resume that matters. It's the size of the God in you. So I puffed my chest up a little bit. I shared this concern with a mentor of mine, and she said, girl, you better sit up straight and straighten up your crown. You're a princess. Miss Sylvia said that to me. She said, straighten up your crown, scolding me. And I'm like, yes, I better straighten up my crown. Reminding me of who I am in Christ. Mary sat among the disciples, a place she wasn't even invited to sit. Mary saw Jesus. Mary loved Jesus. Mary served Jesus. Just imagine, Martha was missing her opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet because all she saw was the wall, culture. She saw that she wasn't in a place where she didn't belong. She had no idea Jesus came to separate that, cultural barriers, prejudice. She had no idea Jesus came for Martha. He didn't come here to give Bible studies to the disciples and Mary. No, he came for Martha. Martha was all about keeping the rules. Martha was the kind of person that colored in the line. She kept the Sabbath holy. She came to church on time. She paid her tithe and offering. She didn't drink caffeine. She held true to her fundamental beliefs. She was possibly part of the group where women should not be ordained as pastors. I'm not sure how that got in there, but let me say it again. <laughs> she was part of the group that possibly thought that women should not be ordained as pastors. I don't want you to be misunderstood about Martha because Martha loved Jesus. She loved Jesus. She had great faith in him. She was a little gangster too. She spoke up. She didn't, she, she didn't filter her thoughts too much. She, she really, really was bold in what she had to say. She probably did it with a spoon in her hand while she was talking. But there's something extra special about Martha that I don't want you to miss. It's not mentioned in the Bible, but she carried the weight of being the oldest. 
Carry the weight of being the oldest means you are responsible for everything. You have the title of caretaker, babysitter, plumber, construction worker. You're the doctor. You're the therapist. You're the dentist. You're the mother. You're the father. You're the chauffeur. Martha just did it all. Everything. She carried the weight of the world on her shoulders. There was only one person who knew that load, and that was Jesus. He came. Jesus came for Martha. She had firstborn syndrome. Who's the firstborn in this house? Whoa, that's a lot. That's a lot. Firstborn syndrome is being the oldest has its perks. You receive all the attention from your parents. They possess strong leadership qualities. They are known as the overachiever, people pleaser, reliable, organized, and competent because of the weight of their mother's expectation. It's crazy. They say nothing about the father. They said the weight of the mother's expectation, they are more susceptible to depression later in life. Expectations. Martha had no idea that this visit Jesus made wasn't just a rest stop. It actually was a grace stop just for her. Jesus came for Martha. Martha had no idea that Jesus came for Martha. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus came for Martha. Yes, but I want you to get this part because it sounded like Jesus was rebuking her because of her serving and hospitality, but that's her gift. Jesus wasn't rebuking her because of her gift. He came because she was so consumed with worry and distraction. That's why the stop happened. Not because he wanted to disturb her gift. She was too distracted. The two worship killers. You know worry suffocates worship? Worry suffocates worship. It's like you can't breathe. Worry immobilizes you. Worry is believing that God just won't get it right. That he needs your help. Distraction is the enemy's tool to draw you away from God. It keeps you focused on the things that do not matter. First Peter 5 verse 8. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever asked anyone, how you doing? What's the first answer that comes to mind? Fine or what? What'd you do today? Oh, busy. How were you busy? What'd you do this week? Busy. You try to act busy. Busy, busy. That's the number one answer. You know why? It's a convenient answer. Everyone is busy. Everyone. Jesus was inviting Martha for some hang time, but I'm just going to break it down and tell you three reasons why Jesus came to visit Martha that I found. Number one. He wanted to reclaim the daughter in her. When Jesus corrected Martha for being distracted, worried, and bothered about so many things, he simply wanted her to understand, you are my daughter first. What's that? She didn't even know how to be a daughter. She didn't know. She had to grow up fast. She went from childhood to adulthood. In between was missing. She had to raise her brother and sister. She only knew how to be a mother. Everything else in between was missing. Have you felt like you missed something in your childhood? That's why I'm barefoot. I had to raise myself quickly. I still love playing in the dirt. I do childish things because some of the things that I should have been doing as a daughter is missing. Martha didn't know how to be a daughter of the king. All she knew was her place in the kitchen. That was the better part. Jesus was telling Mary, she has chosen the better part. Many of us do the same thing. You know, we raise our siblings, which is okay. You know, you had to get a job early because you had to support the family, which is okay. But do you know how to be a daughter or son of the king? So how does a daughter of the king act? When my kids were young, I taught them to over-dramatize the presence of their father when he would come home. <laughs> so they would just look through the window and just want to be the first one to tackle daddy. I mean, they would just silently just, they knew 4 o'clock, 4.30, daddy's going to pull up. They're all like peeking through and they wanted to be the first one in daddy's lap. 
They all tackled him. He would walk in. They're like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And let me tell you, this happened even in high school. Like they still carried those traits through and they would fight for his attention, try to get on his lap. He would carry one kid here, the other one here, and the third one. Well, guess what? He carried him too. They just like went all like this and they just flooded him with stories and things that they did and just enjoyed the presence of their father. They wanted to be as close as his heartbeat. And he would have to sit there and I would have to wait like at least 30 minutes to just get a kiss from my husband. But they would just love that time with their father. He could be gone to the market to go pick up carrots for mom. He would come home, they're like, Daddy! It was so dramatic, like screaming, hugging, and he loved doing that. He loved coming home to that. And it may be hard to embrace that kind of idea when you have to be that close to your heavenly father because some of us didn't have that experience growing up. If your earthly father wasn't present, it's kind of tough for you. But I want you to imagine and just courageously view this hurt as an opportunity to illuminate what an attentive and loving Heavenly Father we do have. He is flawless. Flawless. As a daughter, you don't have to earn your keep or fight for your seat. Your position is sealed with the Father. Your worth is settled. Your position is secure. You don't even have to figure it all out. He is the God of the already. The God who has already provided. He has already made a way. He has already paid the way. He is a God of the already. Now, I want you to say this with me because this is a daughter's decree. And even if your daughter is sitting with you, I want you to say it to her. But I want you to repeat these words with me, women. I am loved. I am secure. I am cared for. I am a recipient of grace. I am enough because Jesus is enough. I am free. I choose to rest in Christ's sufficiency. Amen. So Jesus shows up. He listens to Martha's complaint. He understands it, but he loved her too much to give her what she wanted. She's like, this is what I need, Jesus. He's like, nah, that's not what you need. There's something deeper. No, I need Mary to come help me in the kitchen. Nah, that's not what you need. I know what you need. What you really need is time with me. She didn't know that. Jesus came for Martha. Jesus gave her what she needed. And what she really needed was an invitation to draw closer to him. To draw closer to him. Intimacy with Jesus can be so beautiful. So beautiful. It could be so much going on in my home. Chaotic. Kitchen has sink and dishes filled with sink, dishes filled in the sink. And to my standards, the house can look chaotic. And my husband would just turn to me and say, honey, come sit down. Just relax. Right? Just relax. Just, just, let's just watch a movie. But in my thinking, I'm thinking, well, what I want him to say is, come help me clean the kitchen, right? But he's like, no, come around. And I'm not trying to say that my husband doesn't help. He does. But in my interpretation, I'm still thinking, even if I'm trying to relax, there's dishes that have to be done. There's lots of things that have to be done. That's what Martha's do. We just don't make time to just relax. Jesus knew exactly what she needed. Intimacy with Jesus can be beautiful. But I have to let you know, not everything smells like roses. Sorry, I'm just sweating up here. Intimacy with Jesus can also be threatening. If I can be honest, getting, getting close to Jesus means you no longer get to hide your inadequacies. His light shines on you and he exposes what is ugly. He exposes the things that you've been hiding in the closet. 
That's not to say that you can't get close to him. You don't want to. But it can also cause you to run from God because you don't want those things to just surface. But when you get close to Jesus, he allows those things to surface. Because if you run from him, the enemy is not too far behind telling you things that you don't even want to hear. When you run from God, they'll tell you that you're not good enough. He'll tell you that you can't get to church until you get your act together. He'll say, don't hug Pastor Rico because he knows what you smell like. He'll say, the enemy will let you know that just because you went out last night, you can't come into the house of God. No, Jesus is like, I don't care what you did. Just come. Just come. He will tell you all of that stuff. In our culture, there's a lot of things that happens the night before anyone comes over. Like, we're just cleaning and making sure the house is done and taken care of. And, you know... uh, When we get to the living room part of the intimacy, that's a place where only, you know, the older people get to sit in. Not everyone gets to sit into the living room. That part of the living room is kind of sacred in our culture. You know, when you're the young group, you just kind of make your way past the living room and just go to the the family room or, or just hang out outside. But here's the truth that I want you to know. Unless you go to the living room first, you can't enjoy any other room inside of the house. Here is why. What's in the living room? The living room is a place where you want to feel comfortable. That's where Jesus sits. He doesn't want you to feel perfect and feel like you have it all together. He wants you to come into the living room like this. It looks perfect because this is a Martha house right here. He wants you to come into the living room and be able to kick off your shoes and let your hair down and make you feel as if you can share anything you want to share. The living room has to be a place of transparency, vulnerability, where you can be able to talk to your parents and they won't judge you. The living room should be a place where you can speak freely and not feel judged or condemned because of the things that you have done in your life. The living room should be a place where you can listen and just listen. Jesus came to the living room. How many of us avoid the living room? Like we just don't want to chill because it exposes too much of what we have going on. Or are you one of those people that keep your living room clean, but like, don't sit on it. This living room's only for the prestige people, for the pastors. And then they come and sit on your couch and you're just like, trying to make it perfect. That that was me. Like cushions that weren't straight drove me nuts. So I ordered a sectional where the cushions were sewn into the back so I didn't have to keep fluffing them up. That's how much it bothered me that the cushions weren't perfect. Martha, God doesn't desire that. He's okay with the mess. He says, come just as you are. That is all. Just come. I just want to spend time with you. Here's the formula with intimacy with God. Prayer plus the word plus time with him equals intimacy with God. It can't just be prayer. That's not intimate enough. Prayer plus the word, plus time, intimacy with God. Point number two, correction is not rejection. After hearing Jesus' response, she, did you notice that Martha didn't storm out of the room after she was corrected? Yeah, she stayed long enough to hear what Jesus had to say. How many of us can stay in the room after we've been rebuked? And or we'd be like this. Right? She stayed. She received it with a humble spirit. Martha stuck around long enough to hear the sweet assurance of Jesus' answer. Have you lingered long enough in the presence of God for an answer? Or do you just make your request known and be like, deuces, let me know when you're ready to answer my prayer. Do you linger long enough? Stay a little while. Kick your feet up. Hang out. It's like being in a one-sided relationship. Have you ever been in a one-sided relationship where you do all the talking, all the planning, all the, 
you know, moving and partying, whatever. You do everything and you have a partner that just sits there and just agrees with everything you say. Have you? No, none of you guys want to say anything, huh? <laughs> it's like that with Jesus. How do you talk to him? Is it a one-sided relationship where you do all the talking and he just listens? No, it has to be time in the word as well. I know that sounds hard, but I'm just going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Everyone I know struggles with it. He struggles with time. What if Martha did not receive correction from her Lord? What if that didn't happen? What if she was just too prideful to receive correction? Because pride cares for only one person, and that's you. That's me. It loves making a fool out of you. God has so much in store for you, but as long as pride is your bestie, guess what? You'll never know God's best for you. Never. Never underestimate the value God places on a teachable heart, a heart that listens. Everyone knows I struggle with doubt when I come to the pulpit. <laughs> Wednesday afternoon, I was like, Lord, I can't do this. Wednesday, I was struggling. I walked to the couch, and I was just like listing every possible reason why I just couldn't stand up here. I'm not qualified to stand. I haven't preached in the last seven months. Why do I have to do this? Blah, 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 blah. Every reason possible, and the best reason of all was because I have an eight-week puppy at home. I don't have time, Lord. Why am I chosen to do this? Is this something the staff decided? Is this something that Rico decided? Or is it from you? I was giving every possible excuse. Why Are you sure you're choosing me? The Lord kept on reminding me through his word. Do you not know? Have you not heard? I am the everlasting God. Do not fear. I am with you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm like, okay, I got it. Went back to the desk. I said, let me get my head together. 30 minutes of gloating. I went back to my desk, refreshed my mind. I began praying and thinking, and then I was stuck. And then I prayed, Lord, send me an errand to be my voice, to speak for me this Sabbath. And Jesus is like, oh, we're going to do that again. We're going to go through that again. I can clearly hear God say, I spoke the universe into existence. I hung every star by place. Now you're going to speak unbelief again? Get it together. I have a Samoan God. Sorry. <laughs> he scolds. Like, he just like. And I'm like, okay, Lord, okay. Rather than humbling myself and looking at this opportunity as a privilege, I was placing myself above God. No wonder he was offended, doubting him. God doesn't call the qualified. He calls, he qualifies the called. Let me tell you, God will place you as a woman in a position of authority that will baffle all the spectators that will know and deny that that was God. They would look at you and be like, no, that's all God. They know that that was God. He's not a God who makes normal new moves. While some may think that only God is good and perfect and only good things come from God, let me tell you, God will also allow others to be greater than you. He will also allow all the work that you've done, someone else get the credit for all of that. He will even cause you to be financially poor and other people to be rich, not because he likes seeing you suffer, but because your dependence on him is that much greater. He will cause you to shut your mouth, tie your hands, buckle you down, not let you say a word and let other people win. Yeah, it gets all great and downy, but that's what God will do as well. It's not because he likes to see you suffer. You have to have a teachable spirit. Martha lingered a little longer to hear the word of God. He doesn't make normal moves. He goes out of his way to see you, meet you, spend time with you. I'm imagining he really went out of his way to see Martha because Martha was so driven by her schedule. Worry. Let me tell you, when I go visit, and I'm on my way home, 
I visit people according to the route that I go home. Jesus didn't do that. He'd be like, wait, they're 50 miles this way? Let's go. Martha was out of his way, but he knew he had to be there. Jesus came for Martha. The last part here. He wanted her to make room for the better part. As you can see, our theme for this month is God can when you make room. God can. Room? Jesus, did you see my schedule? I got three kids, a husband. I got to clean up this big house. I got to run around, take them to games, and make sure that I fit the part. Food got to be in the house. I got to cook dinner, clean. I just don't have room for you. There was nowhere to put him into my schedule. I was going crazy, and that's when the 4 a.m. was born. I had to get up early to spend time with God. This was birth when my kids were young because there was no way I could fit him into my schedule. So I had to wake up at 4 a.m. and do it. Well, it was a struggle. I started at 5 o'clock, and then 4.30 came, and then 4 a.m. because I figured I had to get a workout in too. And so if I was a little grumpy, my kids are like, did you spend time with God this morning? That time was so important. You had to make sure that whatever time you have for God, you got God, you have to guard it well. Guard it well. It's like, do not come in this room. Mommy is studying the word. Yeah, that's how you sound. Do not come in this room, and they will not come in that room. You have to guard it well. Having to do everything and be everything to everybody and still look cute doing it. Right? As a mom and a wife, you still want to look cute? You still want to make sure that you're put together and your kids don't, are put together? Because the reality is when your husband isn't put together, what they say, the wife gets the blame, right? If the kids aren't put together, what happens? The wife gets the blame. And then we have to put ourselves together. That was a lot. But this is how I got it done. Dun, da, da, dun. <laughs> My kids call me super mom. Like when I pull this cape out, they, it was just an invisible cape, right? Like I am super mom. I'm the kind of mom that like everything has to be perfect. Their hair had to be perfect. Their clothes had to be perfect. The room had to be perfect. They had to talk perfect. They couldn't just say, uh-huh. I'm like, uh, is that a word? Yeah, yeah, it's not a word. They had to be respectful. There was so much perfection that I placed on my kids, even myself. I had to be the perfect wife, the perfect mom, the perfect servant. Being perfect is exhausting. But oh, I have the cape, right? Mommy can do it all. She can leap tall buildings in a single bound, right? Mommy can do it all. In fact, my kids would even test me and say, Mom, I had the best quesadilla at school. Oh, yeah? <laughs> best quesadilla? Hmm. I would compete with that because I wanted to be the best. Mom, oh my goodness, I went to my friend's house and they had these sheets that were so, what kind were they? Oh, I would run to the store and be like, well, how about these? Wash it up because I wanted everything perfect in my house because I had the cape. You would never hear my kids say, mommy can't do that. Oh, I can't? I can't? Oh, mommy can do it. Oh, mommy can't lift that. Watch me. Watch. Just when Rico was preaching and I heard Sheila and Pastor Henderson say she can't lift him, that made me mad. I was like, Stephen, just so you know, I can lift you. 
It infuriated me. I went home like, I can lift him. The church thought I couldn't lift him. I can lift him. And they were like, I hear Pastor Henderson say, no, she can't. I'm like, did he say I couldn't? Like that upset me so much. And if all I do is cake this cape around, like I go to my kid's school with the cape, my husband's work with the cape, go to church with the cape, go to work with the cape. I walk into the office, I'm be like, who, who made this mess here? Steven! <laughs> Everything, a cape. God's like, if you wear the cape all the time, is there room for me? Where do I fit in? It's crazy, though, because I wanted my kids to be godly children, but I didn't focus on them having a godly parent. So I also birthed in them, which you can do, too. I'm sharing tips. I bought them each a devotional book. And every morning, they would read their own devotional book according to their age at breakfast. And when we got in the car, each of them had to share their devotional and the Bible verse and pray before they got out the car. And we would have discussions. Every day, they were asked to do that, Monday through Friday. And if people slept over, guess what? You're going to do a devotional too. Everyone who came into my house had to do a devotional. So important to meet God every day. Why is it so important? I just want you to also know that consistency, it's not so much about perfection. It's just not giving up. If you have five minutes with the Lord, devote that five minutes with the Lord. If all you have is that driving time to work, devote that time to God in your car. You know, we sit here and look at this living room, and you perfect it, and you're like, okay, Lord, I've been doing all of this, serving you, doing everything I can to devote my time to you, and then tragedy hits. I've been making room for you, Lord, and this is what I get? There are no easy answers to all of that. All God has is a promise, and that's his word. Oftentimes, we think about God's amazing grace, and we don't think about attaching scandalous to grace. But Jesus offers not just grace, but scandalous grace. What I mean by that, it'd be like, I want you to think about your worst enemy, the someone who just hurt you so bad, so bad, took away something from you that you just can't get back. I want you to imagine God forgiving that person and allowing them entrance into the kingdom. Scandalous grace. Even someone hurting you so bad that perhaps it's just unforgivable. As long as he professes that Christ is Lord, guess what? God will give him entrance into the kingdom. Scandal. It just doesn't make sense, but that's the kind of God that we have. He loves you. Oftentimes, we just don't understand it. A scandalous grace is a God who sees what you don't even see in yourself. Things that you don't even talk about. I was looking through a book, and it said, had this reading that I really wanted to read to you. When God created a woman, he was working late on the sixth day. An angel came by and asked God, why do you spend so much time on her? The Lord answered, have you seen all the specks of this woman? The things that I had to do to shape her? She must function under pressure. He's talking about making a woman. She has to have all kinds of patience in all kinds of situations. She must be able to embrace several kids at the same time. She has to hug and heal, bruise a, 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 in, heal a broken knee and a broken heart. She must do all of this with only two hands. She cures herself when she is sick. Amen, somebody. She cures herself when she is sick and can work an 18 to 24 hour day. The angel was so impressed. He's like, you're only going to give her two hands? 
That's impossible. And Jesus said, and guess what? That's the standard model. That's not the upgrade. That's just the standard model. Yes, it is, says the Lord. The angel came closer and he touched the woman. She says, oh, Lord, she's so soft. Why did you make her so soft? She is soft, said the Lord, but I've made her strong. You can't imagine the things she can endure and overcome. But can she think, the angel said. The Lord answered, not only can she think, she can reason and negotiate. The angel moved in a little closer and he touched her cheeks and he said, Lord, but this creation you made, she's leaking. You put too much burden on her. The Lord says, she's not leaking. It's actually a tear. The Lord corrected the angel. What's the tear for? The angel said. The Lord said, tears are her way of expressing her grief. It's a way of expressing her doubt, her love that she has for people, her children. Tears are a sign of her loneliness, her suffering, and also her pride. This made a big impression on the angel. He was getting a little bit excited. He said, Lord, you're a genius. You've thought of everything. A woman is indeed marvelous. Lord said, indeed she is. She has strength that amazes a man. She can handle trouble. She can carry heavy burdens. She holds happiness, love, and opinions. She smiles when she feels like screaming. She sings when she feels like crying, cries when she is happy, and laughs when she is afraid. She fights for what she believes. Her love is unconditional. Her heart is broken when someone dies, but she finds strength to carry on. The angel said, she's perfect. The Lord said, nope, there's just one drawback to this woman. She forgets her worth. Wow. You can have all this, the cape, and still forget who you are in Christ. Oftentimes when people ask you, can you, can you tell me about yourself? You probably share your title, kids who you are, what you do, your job, your career. It's not often that you'd respond with failures, your struggles, the things that you've attached to your life, right? As the pianist plays. There's a lot of things that comes with this cape. Me walking around, feeling prideful of how perfect I am, and things are perfect in my life. There's a lot that goes on with this cape because underneath this cape, underneath this perfect living room, lies a lot of labels that I label myself. They're big. <clears throat> Attached to this, Kate comes brokenness, lonely, guilty, invisible. How's a person like me, the engagement coordinator, feeling like this? It's not possible, right? I talk to everybody. I love people. I love God. I love his word. There's more. Attached to this cape also comes doubt. Insecure, my self-worth. Oh, but there's more. Seasons in my life where I felt lost, afraid, my identity crisis. Oh, but there's more. struggle of being perfect. 
feeling worthy and that comparison. What do you label yourself with? Is there something that goes on in your mind that you just are ashamed of? Something that you probably don't even want to come to terms with? Do I do possibly identify with one of these? There's more. I'm just not sure you can handle it. That's why intimacy with God is so important to me. Because he reminds me. All of this stuff, Jesus is like, how long have you been in me and you still dealing with this? All those things that you talk about have been nailed to the cross. Do I need to go back to the cross and die for you so you would know your worth? Do I? I'm like, but, but, but nothing. Jesus just loves you. The crazy thing about all this, you can bring it to him every day. Every day, empty yourself out of all of this every day, and he'll receive it. He'll receive it. That's how gracious, that's how scandalous his grace is. He will receive it. No matter what it is that you struggle with, he will receive it. I just want you to close your eyes right now and just imagine yourself just being embraced by the Father. You're so close, you can smell him. He smells so good, you can even feel his heartbeat. Because if you can't feel his heartbeat, guess what? You're too far away from him. You can feel his heartbeat. He whispers over and over just how much he loves you, how much he wants to spend time with you, how much you are worthy of his love much you are worthy of his love. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to come up and sing this song as we do our appeal. As we do our appeal, I just want you to make room for him in your heart, in your life, in this place.